Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. I'm enjoying. I'm joined by my House of Champions coach. There's Michael Hood and Jonathan Johnson. Plus, we have the hardest working and about to be the busiest man on the internet, Fabrizio Romano. Ciao, Fabrizio. How are you doing, buddy? Ciao, guys. All great. Thank you. Hope you do. All right. Thanks for everybody out there joining us. Please drop in your questions, as I mentioned a moment ago, and as many questions as we possibly can. We will feed them out to Fabrizio before he goes out there. I can see them already. Man United news, Arsenal news, Jude Bellingham news. Don't worry. We're trying to get to the best of them. Let's begin with Manchester United. And actually, Michael Hood, I'm going to let you ask the first question to Fabrizio <laughs> Romano. Fab, can you hear it? I hear it. Champions League anthem, baby. UCL bound, United back to where they belong. Now, let's start at the top. Mason Mount, we've heard that he might be out at Chelsea. Is there a chance that he, things could heat up and he could land at United? Yeah, there is a chance for sure because this contract extension between uh, the contract extension talks between Mason Mount and, and Chelsea are really complicated. This looks really unlikely now. They've been trying for months and months, but. No agreement at the moment. Of course, Chelsea will try until the end because Mauricio Pochettino is also a big fan. So it's about the board, but it's also about the new manager. Pochettino really appreciates Meso Mount, would love to keep Meso Mount. But when this kind of player is out of contract next summer, 24, and he's not extending the contract, you have to make a decision and you can't lose him for free. So <clears throat> this is why Chelsea are prepared to let him go. Manchester United are interested, uh, for sure. They will be there. Liverpool too. We always mention Liverpool and I keep mentioning Liverpool because we know their revolution in the midfield and Meso Mount is one of the names they have in the list. Arsenal also have an interest in Meso Mount, but at this moment it's not something advanced or concrete. So these three clubs will be in the race. Manchester United will be there for sure. But it's a big issue and it's about the project um, and also the price because the price is about... 80 million euros, not less than 80 million euros for a player who is out of contract next summer. So imagine how the clubs are reacting to this news when they approach it uh, for this mesa amount situation. And the answer was not less than 80 million euros. They hope it will change in the coming weeks. And then the project in terms of club sale for Man United is crucial to resolve this situation as soon as possible because you have Eric Tanak doing an incredible job and putting his face to uh, also guarantee to the players that something nice will happen in the future. But you also need the owners, you need the directors, you need something on paper from the club, not just from the manager. And so this is a crucial step to sign this kind of top stars like uh, Meso Mount. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the potential sale of the club, Fab, because uh, rumour cropped up earlier this week that intrigued both you and I. Neymar to Manchester United from PSG. Now, we know since that there's not 
actually been that much sort of activity on United side or between United and PSG in terms of Neymar uh, going to Old Trafford. But we do know that intermediaries have started shipping the Brazilian around. Chelsea have also been mentioned. Uh, can you shed any light sort of on that and the fact that basically, uh, you know, Neymar's hopes of going to a Manchester United will probably hinge uh, upon that takeover getting done and Given that it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon, it seems like Neymar's probably going to have to look elsewhere other than the Premier League. Yeah, I I can confirm and I can say that at the moment nothing is concrete for Neymar's, Neymar's future. So nothing is happening now, this week, next week. It will take time. And with Manchester United, from what I understand, uh, I saw these reports in France, but from what I'm told, there is absolutely nothing at this stage with the current ownership. Uh, as you mentioned, we have to wait and see who's going to be if there's going to be a new owner of Manchester United and in that moment what kind of strategy do they have, if they want to sign that kind of player or maybe follow what Eric Ten Hag is doing, that maybe going on different kind of player with different kind of project. But at the moment between Neymar and, and May United, there is nothing. I think it's very, it's very clear what's going on at PSG. Uh, you know, JJ, better than me that they want to offload as many players as possible, sell as many players as possible. And Neymar is in this list. So PSG are looking for solutions for uh, Neymar Jr. He has a concrete chance to leave the club. But at the moment with May United, it's not something uh, concrete. I do love comments coming in, and in particular this one from Matt Osmond saying that English players will forever be overvalued. Thank you, Matt, for your comment right there. Always interested to hear what the people think about the situation. What about players leaving Manchester United right now, Fabrizio? Obviously, uh, we are hearing maybe the club are looking to move on from Harry Maguire. We're hearing Dalot's extension is in advanced talks. And what does this mean for other players in and with around the club? Yeah, discussing about extensions, I think there are three crucial points. The first one is David De Gea. Uh, they remain optimistic to extend the contract of David De Gea in the next weeks. Then Marcus Rashford. This is a priority and negotiations are ongoing. But again, players want to see who is going to be the new owner, what kind of project he will have. And then Diogo Dalot. Uh, as you mentioned, Dalot is in advance at talks with Man United. I think it will be signed very soon. New long-term deal. He wants to stay. Tenag is very happy with him. And so Dalot will stay at Manchester United. And then for players leaving, for sure with Harry Maguire, there will be a conversation at the end of the season. So after the FA Cup final to speak to the player, to speak to the agents and try to find a solution. I think it's also clear for Maguire that he can't continue like this to stay on the bench. He wants to play. And so this is something that they will clarify in the next weeks. But I think there is a chance for Harry Maguire to leave Manchester United this summer. They also have to decide on Lindelof, for example, because Lindelof in January had some proposals from Inter, from Atletico Madrid. Eric Nag only wanted to keep him. But let's see what kind of conversation there will be with him in the, in the next weeks. They have to make a decision on Sabitzer because Sabitzer is on loan with no buy option from Bayern. He's very yeah. happy at Man United, but they have to decide by negotiating with Bayern to understand how much they want for Sabitzer. And then players coming back from loan deals like uh, Alex Tellez, uh, Eric Bailly, who is not staying at Marseille. All these players will be on the market, prepared to leave Manchester United. And so they will try to make some money and then reinvest this money on new midfielder, new striker and new centre-back. Fab, don't you dare tease me with things like Harry Maguire might be out at United. That will be my early Christmas gift. Here we go on that, hopefully in the future. One player who I'd love to have at United, who I can't wait to hear your thoughts on where things stand with he and United, Declan Rice. He's been tipped with Arsenal, but where do things stand between he and United? Because Tin Hogg has been a longtime admirer of him, no? Yeah, Mick Admirer, I think he's normal, but it's the same with Mikel Arteta. So I still feel that Arsenal are the favourites to sign Declan Rice because they've been working on that deal. It was January when they discussed internally about Declan Rice. Of course, of course, it was impossible to negotiate with West Ham in January, but they've always had Declan Rice as top of their list for the midfield. And so I'm sure Arsenal will make a bid for Declan Rice in the next weeks. 
for Man United, we have to understand again on the owners because, okay, it's easy to mention Mason Mount, Declan Rice, Harry Kane, but this is a lot of money, not just in terms of negotiations with clubs, but also contracts uh, mentioned in the salary, commission. So it's not easy to sign these players. And for Man United, it's crucial to clarify that situation as soon as possible. Arsenal are in a more advanced position. They are already uh, cleaning the situation in the midfield because Granit Xhaka will leave and will be a new Bayer Leverkusen player, 99% done. Also, the situation of other players at Arsenal is helpful in terms of someone leaving and then they can rise as top target in the in the midfield so Arsenal are the favorites at the moment well sticking with uh, Manchester United and strikers former strikers to be precise there was a bit of surprise news earlier this week and I know we don't touch on the Eredivisie that much when we have you on Fab but Ruud van Nistelrooy leaving PSV Eindhoven that one caught my eye uh, is there any sort of indication where he might be landing next we know that Slot has already uh, rejected Tottenham Hotspur is there a possibility that van Nistelrooy is maybe in the shake-up for that job or uh, is it something that's maybe happened behind the scenes that made van Nistelrooy I think that there wouldn't be any money available to him this summer in order to strengthen that squad. From what I heard, it was a tense situation between Ruud van Nistelrooy and some people into the club. So, you know, when you break the relationships into into this kind of clubs, very serious clubs uh, and also very serious managers, Ruud van Nistelrooy, but if you can continue together, the best idea is to part ways. And this is what they did. So I think this was the reason. It was about the relationship into the club, uh, and this is why this is why they decided to to part ways. Honestly, I never heard this name uh, in in Tottenham list, so I'm not sure they're going for Ruud van Nistelrooy. I think Tottenham now is is busy after this Arnes lost Arnes lost story. They have to find a new manager. They will take some days to explore all the other options. Ange Postecoglou for Celtic is one of the concrete names they have in the list for sure. From what I heard in the last few days, they dream of Roberto De Zerbi, but this is almost impossible because Roberto De Zerbi wants to stay at Brighton. He's already planning for next season. They will sign uh, Dahoud. They will sign many players like Joao Pedro, James Milner. So they are already thinking of next season and Roberto De Zerbi is not changing. So let's see, it's not going to be an easy one. And I will keep an eye on Luis Enrique until the end because Luis Enrique is a very big name on the market, available, and this could be the solution. I don't know if you're for, uh, for Tottenham, but there are many clubs looking for manager and Luis Enrique will be part of this domino. Fabrizio, what's your overall thoughts on Tottenham Hotspur here? Finn's asking about manager news and obviously you mentioned a bunch of names right there. I was watching Postacoglu's press conference today and he sort of laughed it off. And when asked about the Tottenham job, he said, I'm still here and I'm still focused on the job and trying to get the treble done for Celtic, which I like to hear. But this is a very unusual situation. We have a giant club in Tottenham Hotspur. They have a great squad of players, clearly. They have a real fantastic foundation. So realistically, it should be a job that is in high demand, but it seems like it's very difficult for them to tempt some of the best managers into the job. It's almost as if they're getting to desperation stages now. Yeah, but because when you see play managers like uh, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte going there and not succeeding and leaving the club during the season, this is something that is... Uh, making people worried about this this possibility. This is absolutely normal, I think. I was really surprised with the Antonio Conte situation, honestly. I'm a big fan of Antonio Conte. Of course, I'm Italian, so probably that's because of this, but I've never seen Antonio Conte like that. It was He was really disparate with the situation at Tottenham. And so, you know, this is why for managers it's not easy to, to accept that job. I agree with you that they have a, they are offering a big opportunity because it can't be worse than this. So this is a big chance for managers to do uh, better things. Also, the stadium is amazing. The training ground is incredible. And these kind of things are always attractive to managers, but they have to change on the strategy. 
it's really needed. New strategy, new director of football, because Fabio Paratici left the club a few weeks ago. So who's going to be the new director? What kind of ideas he will have? For example, I can tell you that when they approached Julian Nagelsmann, they had some conversation with Julian Nagelsmann. For Nagelsmann, it was absolutely crucial to have a director of football who was going to work together with him in the daily uh, basis, but also on the long-term project, on the players, on the signings. He wanted someone to support his idea. He, doesn't, he didn't want uh, a manager who had different kind of plans, because otherwise this would be destroyed in a few months. So the director of football is crucial, and I would say he's as crucial as the manager. So this is the way for Tottenham to recreate their identity and to change this situation. Well, somebody else who's potentially crucial to Tottenham's hopes of landing a new manager, Fab, is Harry Kane. Is there any sort of update on him? Because it seems surely now that, that Kane must be considering his future. I mean, we look at the situation. We know that Tottenham can still qualify for uh, for Europe uh, for next season through the Premier League. Me as a Villa fan, I've got my fingers crossed that they fail in that quest. But uh, it's still not quite up to the same level that Spurs have expected from the last couple of seasons. And surely Kane now must feel like it's almost now or never for him really to get a move to a bigger club that can potentially offer him the hope of winning silverware in the next couple of years because he's sacrificed some good years of his career now, uh, you know, for Tottenham. Uh, and it feels like they're at least a couple of years away from really truly being competitive now. Yeah, and that's a situation that they have to clarify as soon as possible. It's almost impossible to clarify the situation now because if you don't have a manager and if you don't have a director, you can't offer him kind of project and Harry Kane before discussing with Tottenham on the future he wants to understand what kind of idea they have for the for the future project so now the situation is in total standby between Harry Kane and, and Tottenham there is strong interest around Europe uh, I, I would mention two clubs in particular one is Manchester United because Harry Tanagi is convinced that Harry Kane would be the perfect striker for his idea of football so I feel that if you can ask Eriton Hag one striker in this moment, he would mention Harry Kane. Of course, they have Viktor Osiman in the list. Of course, they appreciate Dusan Vlaovic. So there are many strikers in the list. But top of the list is Harry Kane. Then it's not easy to, to negotiate with Daniel Levy. It's not easy to negotiate with Tottenham, especially if you are an English club. And so this is going to be tough. I would also keep an eye on Paris Saint-Germain because Paris Saint-Germain are going to look for a top striker in the summer. And Harry Kane, in case Harry Kane will be on the market, could be one of the options to, to keep an eye on. So this Harry Kane situation is still open. But again, for Tottenham, there is a chance to keep the player and the chance is to pick the right manager, the right director, to offer him a project and not just a contract and not just money. This is crucial for Harry Kane. I am not convinced that he even wants to leave Tottenham Hotspur whatsoever. He's probably just happy to play there forever. Uh, great stuff, Fabrizio. More to come from Fabrizio and the boys when we return. Stick around. Welcome back to House of Champions. You enjoy Michael Hood, Jonathan Johnson, and Fabrizio Romano with you. Uh, Mike, JJ, real quickly, do you have a favorite kit from the Champions League this campaign? Mm. JJ, you go first. Trying to think about no, it. I'm, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving it all to you. I mean, honestly, <laughs> on the topic of kits, I could, I could go on all day, and you guys know that I already love to, to go on a winding rant. No, I... I'm always a big fan of just classic kits. I'm going to have to go with Real Madrid's kit this year. Always big fan of just something pure, something simple. So Madrid. Well, boys, don't worry about it because it's back. Back due to popular demand. You are giving you a final chance to win your limited edition UCL Elite Foot 23 kit. Winners will also receive a digital copy of the FIFA 23 video game. And time is running out. So make sure to enter now at uefa.com forward slash elite. Oh, yes. And for the audience, you can also scan the QR code just to enter. Looks absolutely fabulous. 
All right, Fabrizio, let's get back into the chat. Some rapid-fire questions for you, and we'll get to some questions from the viewers. Yeah. Let's discuss Napoli and Spalletti. I mean, this is a crazy situation, and it could be that Napoli just explodes after losing Spalletti. I find it very strange, um, but what names are on the possible list to replace him at Napoli? Yeah, there are many names, and I think the president, Aurelio Laurentiis, will do something surprising. He loves to do that, to put many names in the media. I saw an interview he did, it was like two, three weeks ago, and he said uh, it was about when he appointed Luciano Spalletti, there was a big dub, a big dub to Napoli, who was going to be the new coach. And in some Italian paper, we had the name of Sergio Conceição, like Dan Diel, Conceição is the new Napoli manager, he will arrive tomorrow. And then De Laurentiis, two years later, he said, I used the press in that moment to put in the name of Conceição because I wanted to negotiate with Spalletti in a more quiet way. So Conceição was like a done deal in the press, but the reality was different. De Laurentiis loves these kind of things. And I think this is going to be the case again, because he's going to negotiate with a secret manager, I'm sure about that he's not going to do something <laughs> regular so i'm 100 sure for example we're having the name of luis enrique around because it's true that the laurentis is a big fan of luis enrique he has some good connections with some former director at roma who was director of luis enrique when he was the roma manager in the past but again this is not something close this is not something decided and i'm sure that napoli will do something surprising in terms of the manager Fab, let's look up north in Syria. Juventus has been in the headlines. I saw your Twitter feed. And Angel Di Maria is so important to Juventus this season. Alfredo talks breaking down with him. A couple questions for you regarding Juve. Where, yeah. where does, or excuse me, what lies next for Angel Di Maria? And could we see a fire sale in Turin this summer? Yeah, I think for Di Maria, the situation is very clear. He's going to leave Juventus. Uh, so the negotiation has collapsed between uh, Juventus and Angel Di Maria. It was very advanced in March. Then they had some problems in the relationship between uh, uh, Di Maria and Juventus. Of course, also with the manager, the relationship was not excellent. And so Di Maria is leaving Juventus at the end of the season as free agent. And so it's a big opportunity. He wants to stay in Europe, I heard. So his priority is to speak to European clubs. He has a crazy proposal from Saudi. So Saudi clubs are offering him really make meant money to to convince him but Europe remains his priority and uh, we can also mention Leandro Paredes because Leandro Paredes uh, there is a buy option in the context of Leandro Paredes at Juventus but they are not going to trigger that buy option so he is returning to Paris Saint-Germain and then he will be on the market again because he's not staying at PSG so Paredes Di Maria but I think also other players are going to leave Juventus. Probably the most interesting situation in this moment is Adrian Rabiot. Rabiot had a fantastic season at Juventus. It was really yeah. complicated for him in the last two, three years, not performing at a good level, but then fantastic season at Juventus. Uh, also very good World Cup with friends and now available as free agent. He's not going to extend the contract. And so keep an eye on Rabiot because May United, Bayern are informed on the situation. I think in the next two, three weeks, this will be clear and Rabiot could be one of the surprising signing, but really smart wow. signing in the next weeks. Well, you mentioned free agents and uh, Saudi Arabia got thrown in there as a mention as well, Fab. Uh, Jordi Alba leaving Barcelona. Now, there's been speculation over the last couple of weeks that Saudi Arabia could be a potential destination for him. Do you think that's the most likely option at this moment in time or, or are there going to be European clubs uh, you know, looking at potentially trying to bring him in as a free agent, maybe even uh, La Liga clubs? Yeah, he has not decided yet for sure. Uh, also because his decision to leave Barcelona was made like three days ago. Uh, so it's something really fresh. And this is why he will take some time with his family to, to decide. Uh, Saudi is a possibility because it's true that Saudi clubs are approaching Jordi Alba. We know the same is happening with, uh, with Sergio Busquets, who is in advanced at all with the Saudi club. So this is a concrete possibility. But Jordi Alba wants to take his time. So I think he will wait a couple of weeks before, a couple of weeks before deciding his future. But this is a possibility. And so let's keep an eye on that one. 
Uh, real quickly, we're going to get to some questions before we let you go, Fabrizio. About 25 million people in the chat have actually asked about Ugarte. <laughs> Robbie Mora said, guys, Ugarte is a done deal. So what is the latest on Ugarte? No, it's not a done deal. First of all, he's a fantastic player. So I don't know if he will go to Chelsea, PSG, we will see. But this is a fantastic defensive midfielder. So I understand why these clubs are fighting for, for Manuel Ugarte. And really, both clubs rate him as a top, top player. There is a release close, 60 million euros. But as always, the release close is in Portugal. It happened the same with Pedro Porro. It happened with Enzo and with many other cases. You can say, yes, there is a release close. But the release close is to be paid immediately in one solution. And this is something that is not happening. So both clubs, PSG and Chelsea, want to negotiate with Sporting around the release clause. So they're saying, okay, we're prepared to pay 60 million euros, but with different kind of payment terms. So paying in many years, finding a different kind of smart solution. Chelsea are in, Paris Saint-Germain are in, both are speaking to the player side. Jorge Mendes is the agent who is taking care of this negotiation. So it's on the player, but it's also on Sporting to decide about the, the final price of Ugarte and also the final payment terms. So the close is there, but nothing will be done at the moment for the close. They want to negotiate around that. And so big fight, Chelsea PSG for Manuel Ugarte. Two more for you, Fabrizio. This one from Peter Stamikowski. He says, uh, was the Arsenal interest towards Sergei Milinkovic-Savic true? Because now I don't hear anything about Arsenal making an offer for him. He would be an amazing replacement for Xhaka. Any interest there? Yeah, their, their priority is now on, we mentioned Declan Rice. They still like Caicedo. We said about uh, Maison Mount. So I think they have different priorities. But I really agree with Petar. This is a great opportunity. Out of contract, summer 24, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic with Lazio. Still no agreement to extend the contract. So it could be really bargain signing in the summer because this is a special midfielder. I know that he's playing in Italy, so maybe not big, especially in uh, European football. But in Serie A, he's been the best midfielder for years and years. And he's still probably the best midfielder in Serie A. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this song for Beatsio, but it goes something like this. Hey, Jude, where are you <laughs> I going? I think we need a Spanish version soon. <laughs> I saw your uh, news breaking this morning about Jude Bellingham yeah. giving us an update, which was absolutely fantastic. I'm watching every tweet that you put out there, as are pretty much all of us in the footballing space. Um, but what is the latest that you can share with us right now? Jude Bellingham's a massive game if he does play this weekend um, against Mainz at home. Um, they have scored 400 million goals at home this season, so we expect them to lift the title. Although Borussia Dortmund have pretty much shit the bed a few times this season. So we don't know what performance they're going to put out this weekend. But big weekend for Jude Bellingham. And then next week, could we potentially see Jude news? Yeah, yeah, I think yes, because we know since April there is an agreement between Jude Bellingham and Real Madrid in terms of contract, six-year deal, personal terms agreed. So Jude Bellingham said yes to Real Madrid in April, but now Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund are getting really closer in terms of negotiation between, between clubs. Uh, Real Madrid will offer 100 million euros plus add-ons. They have to discuss next week the structure of the add-ons, so how easy or difficult that will be, but the conversation is very advanced. The relationship between Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund is excellent, and I also think this is the only reason why we still don't have an official statement for Jude Bellingham and Real Madrid, because they want to respect Borussia Dortmund and their title race, and it's the player, of course, and then next week they will start official negotiations on the final details, but this is really advanced and the expectation is for Jude Bellingham to sign for Real Madrid really soon. Yeah, one player who could be Jude Bellingham's teammate if this deal goes through. Vinicius Jr. cannot talk about him, or cannot talk about Madrid without talking about him. The racial abuse he suffered, Fab, disgusting, will not stand for it. Could we see Vinny Jr. leave Real Madrid and go somewhere else? No, impossible. Vinicius, I can guarantee 100%, stays at Real Madrid, fights racism together with Real Madrid in Spain, 
and will not leave the club. His mission is to fight racism together with the club and not to leave and to go to another country. So mm. he's not happy at all, of course, with the situation, with La Liga. The reaction of Tebas was not appreciated by Vinicius. But for sure, his mission is to stay and fight together with Real Madrid and also get ready on Real Madrid Twitter account because I think in the next days or weeks there will be an official announcement of Vinicius extending the contract until June 2027. This is already signed, just waiting on the club announcement. And so I think this is the best message from Real Madrid to confirm that they will continue with Vinicius Jr. Fabrizio, thank you very much. And as you can see, we love to extend your 20-minute stay here. We're now into <laughs> stoppage time. We're 24 minutes in here. We don't want to stop. We love you so much, and we appreciate <laughs> thank everything you, thank you're you. doing. Uh, have a great weekend, man. Enjoy the final uh, couple of games that are coming in Italy as well. And uh, stick around, everybody out there, please, because myself, uh, JJ, and Mike will be right back. But make sure you go follow all across social media platforms and YouTube, everything that Fabrizio is doing because his breaking news is just awesome. We appreciate you, Fabrizio. Thank you. Everyone, stick around. Ciao, guys. Welcome back in the House of Champions. Ian Joy, Michael Hood, and Jonathan Johnson with you. Uh, great stuff from uh, Fabrizio Romano right there on the show, as always. A lot to discuss, uh, but JJ, I'm going to come to you first on what happened this past week. It was a whirlwind of a week in Serie A, especially when you're a Juventus supporter. And we do have a lot of Juve fans out there who follow the show who want to know our opinion on the situation. 10-point deduction, but it's more so the the, the timing of the 10-point deduction that caught me by surprise. Literally 15 minutes before kickoff in their game against Empoli, which they eventually went on to lose heavily. Um, but this 10-point deduction takes them out of the Champions League spots. They then lost that game, which means it's very difficult for them to get back into the top four, even though they do play Milan this weekend. Um, but your overall thoughts on the actual fine that was handed down with the 10-point deduction towards Juve? I mean, I think there had to be some, uh, you know, strong punishment for Juve after everything that went on. I mean, we discussed it months ago, sort of when the initial punishment came out with the 15 points and all of that. Um, you know, I think maybe sort of the the 10 points is perhaps a, a little bit more realistic. But like you said, it's not so much about the punishment. It's more about the timing of it, especially when it was communicated to the team, because, Let's face it, it didn't just impact Juve. I mean, of course, Juve are the most concerned by it because they're the ones who have the points deducted. But all the sort of teams around them who've been looking at their games against Juve, looking at sort of where they feature in terms of being like positional rivals, have been impacted by this. Jose Mourinho has come out and said publicly, uh, yeah. I actually think that given that Juve have this opportunity against Milan this weekend, I think the pressure is now most on Roma because Roma are the team who could potentially drop out of the European places. Granted, they have the opportunity to make sure they get into European competition next season if they win the Europa League. But if they don't, which, by the way, the Europa League final happens before the final game of the Serie A season, which could create you know, quite an interesting dynamic on that final day. Uh, you know, suddenly, you know, Mourinho and, and Roma's season could completely fall apart in the space of two games because they've got beaten Coppa Italia finalist Fiorentina this weekend. Then they have the, the Europa uh, final next midweek. Uh, and then I think they finish the season maybe away at Udinese or somebody like that. Or it's a, it's a tricky tie. Oh, yeah, Spezia, but Spezia who are fighting the drop. So, you yes. know, there's a lot of things that could come into play. And Juve, I feel, still kind of have it in their hands with that game against Milan. Milan, who incidentally could still drop out of Europe as well. Yeah, when I look at this Juve-Milan match, 
I, I tipped the tide to Milan because they secured that emphatic win 5-1 last weekend after disappointing Champions League exit. For Juventus, they have not shown up since the World Cup break in big games. Lost to Napoli, lost to Lazio, and lost to Roma. That is not a good momentum builder when your season is on the line. There's dis- discontent in the locker room. Di Maria won't be there. You have the point sanction. Things are not going well for Juventus. I see them losing this. I see them getting knocked out. I mean, what a horrific week. It's been for them. You have the points deductions. Then you get knocked out of the Europa League by Sevilla. And then you get absolutely battered by Empoli with still a decent side. Yes, there's rotations, but you should never be losing 4-1 if you are going to be a Champions League side next season. I was just talking about um, Roma's last game there, JJ, playing against Spezia, which obviously is the battle there. Now, Mourinho's comments are fascinating to me with this obviously being handed down to Juventus. And Roma not necessarily knowing where they were. If they were closer to the Champions League spots, then maybe they would have played stronger teams. I thought his comments were absolutely fantastic. If you look at the last six games, Roma have not not won one game. So you can tell they've been focusing on European competition, maybe changing their team a little bit. Sure, tired legs can come into it, whatever it may be. But there's no doubt in my mind, if Mourinho thought and Roma thought that there was a real big possibility that they were going to get into that top four, Maybe he does play a stronger team. Maybe he does go for it a little bit more. So I feel a little bit for Mourinho here. Do you feel the same? I mean, it's always difficult to feel sorry for Jose Mourinho or sympathy for the devil at any point. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think he has a point, Is uh, I guess, what we're trying to get at here. And yeah, yeah. he does. But equally, uh, you know, I think we've all known for a long time that this punishment was going to come back to Juve in some way, shape or form. It's not like it's, you know, just come out of the blue. You know, we've been sort of building towards this for a while. So I think Mourinho is being, uh, you know, he's showing quite, quite high level of gamesmanship here. Let's not forget as well, you know, Mourinho is a master at mind games, man motivation. He'll have been protecting his players uh, sort of from criticism based on their efforts in those games yeah. uh, where they haven't picked up the, the the points necessary. But I think the reason why we're seeing such speculation regarding Roma around Mourinho as well at the moment is because he's very evasive on the question of his future. It does feel like he'll be moving on regardless of what happens. And also the fact that Mourinho's legacy is going to be shaped what, by what has happened in the last couple of days and what happens in the next few days as well. Because if Roma, you know, they win the Europa League and beat Sevilla, who, you know, basically have proprietary rights over the Europa League, <laughs> that's a huge achievement for him to leave Roma on. But if he's the guy who leaves Roma out of all European competition because they they ran out of gas right at the last minute in the season, you know, that is also going to sort of taint the the legacy that the Portuguese tactician leaves in Italy as well on his second appearance there. Uh, a great comment coming in from Eddie said, I'm so glad that John is showing absolutely zero bias towards <laughs> Jose Mourinho. He says, Serie A, they want Juve out of the Champions League by any means. And Matty agreeing, apparently saying that uh, Juventus are in the mud. They are dirty cheaters. Keep those great comments coming in, everybody. Uh, Michael, let's turn our attention to the Bundesliga and what's happening at the top of the table in the Bundesliga. Um, we do know and recognize that Borussia Dortmund now somehow, some way, have the opportunity to lift the title this weekend with a two-point advantage over Bayern Munich. I have no idea how they managed to get that on the last game of the season, but yet somehow Dortmund have it in their hands and they're at home this time 
against oh. mines where they do have Ian, a Ian, I've, Ian I've, I've got a question for you about this I had a look I had a look through the odds earlier for Dortmund are home to Mainz <laughs> how on earth are the odds so unlikely towards A a draw and B Mainz getting a result there because for me it feels like it, it, like you said it earlier you know Dortmund you can't sort of bet on them for anything other than making life hard for themselves so why why are the odds making it seem so unlikely Okay, the, the problem you've got here, and I'll tell you the odds because I actually know them and they're actually inked into my head right now after seeing them. Uh, Borussia Dortmund are minus 700 to get the job yes. done at home <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in the Bundesliga on the final match day. And Mainz are plus 1,400 on the money line oh just to gosh. win that game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Borussia Dortmund have scored 53 goals, if I'm not mistaken, at home. And, and if they're playing well... Definitely at home is where they are playing well. On the road is where they're completely vulnerable, even last week. I mean, mm. they were a man up for a majority of that game last week, and it took them a minute, and you thought, oh, no, surely they, they're not going to mess this up against 10 men. But this is Dortmund. And I will say this, though, uh, JJ, it's Sebastian Aller who's turning yeah. up for Borussia Dortmund more than anyone else. And what a story this would be, Michael, if Sebastian Aller goes from not being able to begin a season because of mm. testicular cancer and having to go through chemo to at the end of the season, I think he's got nine goals already, by the way. <laughs> to the end of the season, and, and if, if I'm not mistaken, he scored in the last three competitive games, five goals maybe, mm. but to lifting a Meister Schale, that would be some story right there. And we must also mention that Gio Reyna scored last week as well. Um, and he is uh, also playing a big role in the success because he's got a lot of uh, last-minute winners for them. Well, this would be the sort of fairy tale season that Dortmund need. The swan song for Jude Bellingham, as Fabrizio said, he is prepping to move to Real Madrid. And this is a Dortmund team that going into the Champions League knockout stages, that we were very high on them. We were saying that they could go and beat Chelsea. And then the injury that derailed a lot of things for Dortmund, Adeyemi. His injury, he was the best player, him and Julian Brandt. They were the two best players coming out of the World Cup. And then injuries start going, forms start going, consisting start going. But when you're given a chance the way they have, because of the absolute shithousery, and I, I think we can still cuss on this uh, show, but the absolute shithousery at Bayern Munich, you got to take it. And they have. When you look at this Mainz match, if they had played Mainz maybe two months ago, I would have been very nervous for, for Dortmund because Mainz, they were the giant killers hovering around seventh. But Mainz has been absolute crap as of late. Can't really find themselves on the road or at home. Dortmund will win this match. I will have my, I don't even know, my Hefeweizen to stick with the German culture. I will have my Hefeweizen this size to celebrate in honor of Giorena. Marco Royce even coming off the bench. He deserves a Bundesliga medal. He's been through a lot through injuries and been waiting for a moment like this again. Oh, that bottle's pretty small by German standards. I mean, they love they love liters liter upon liter of their of their white beer. Uh, I've got a question for Ian actually, and that is relating to Bayern. Now we know that it's not in their hands anymore, and if Dortmund win, that's it. The title is done. But most importantly, that is a trophyless season for Bayern and a trophyless season on Thomas Tuchel's watch. Now I don't think that Bayern would be silly enough to to sort of you know wield the axe just yet because he's only been in the job for a couple of months but that is a disastrous start to Tuchel's tenure uh, in Bavaria you know what does that also mean do we think looking you know forward to this summer uh, you know are, are Bayern going to try and overhaul that squad uh, or are they going to look to strengthen in key positions and let Tuchel just spend more time with the players or does it go even deeper than that and do they have to root out uh, you know some potentially you know deep-rooted issues uh, you know behind the scenes 
Well, first and foremost, there's absolutely no guarantee that Bayern Munich will actually win this weekend against Cologne. Let's put it correctly. We have no idea if Bayern turn up their away to Cologne, which is a difficult place to go play. Um, so I really don't know if they're going to get a result this weekend. So even if Dortmund don't win, they might still win the league anyway, which is crazy to say. Um, I think we all know and recognize that Thomas Tuchel is a good coach and he is someone who is well-respected in the game. But he took over Bayern Munich. They were still in the Champions League. They were still in the German Cup. They were top of the Bundesliga. Within a month, they were out of the Champions League. They were out of the German Cup <laughs> and they were off the top of the table. Is it his fault? Absolutely not his fault. But he is the man in charge of this club going forward. And he is the man who's responsible for trying to get results. They brought him in to get results in the Bundesliga and to get results in the Champions League because they wanted to win the Champions League. Quickly thrown out of that competition and beaten, and well beaten, by the way, in the German Cup by Freiburg, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's gone horribly wrong for Thomas Tuchel. But off the field is where my concern is, is more, JJ. It's more about the political side of things. And I've vented on this uh, show so many times about Hassan Salihamidzic and Oliver Kahn being in charge of this club. It seems to have gone horribly wrong for both of these guys. I don't care what anyone says. You could be a great football player, but it does not mean to say you're going to be a great coach or a great executive or a great sporting director or a great president. It just doesn't. You're a legend of the game and an icon of the game. Sally Hamidic, not so much, but I will say that these two deserve more of the criticism for one, allowing Lewandowski to leave the club. How on earth do you let a goal scorer who was the glue to that Bayern Munich, JJ? I hope you agree with me as well, Mike, here. Lewandowski covered up a lot of patches for Bayern over the last year yeah. because of his goals. He simply did. And now he's gone, or you allowed him to leave, which is absolutely ridiculous. I would have given him the sun just to stay to keep that, you know, <laughs> together for a minute until you find that striker. They don't have that striker. So you're not uh, wrong there. I think they keep Thomas Tuchel. I think they've got to start spending money. And here's the change I see, JJ, more than anything else. And Mike, you, you can let me know what you think about this. I think you'll start to see Bayern Munich breaking their own transfer policy. You are going to start to see Bayern Munich spending over $100 million. We know they've got the money. We know they've got the finances. They certainly have the foundation to support that. So if they want to compete in the Champions League, and now apparently if they want to compete domestically, they're going to need to start to sign some of the world's best players. Get away from the, we don't spend 100 plus million. I don't agree with that anymore. Yeah. The game's moved on. Uh, from just, a, well, just, a fo just a follow up question on that specifically. Do you think that also means that Bayern break their policy in the future of appointing players or former players who know the club inside out and actually go for some of the, the great executives that you have in the German game? Because it seems like the Bundesliga has some of the best sort of off the field, uh, you know, staff members because of the way that business gets done so far ahead of time. The scouting is excellent. You know, recruitment is, is second to none. Do you think that we start to see Bayern picking yeah. off some of the best talents from their rival clubs off the pitch as well as on it? Yeah, but I also would I would throw in the rest of Europe to that as well because yeah. if you think of their transfer policy, they've always tried to go for a striker who has played in the league. Few times they've gone outside and brought a striker in from outside to have success. But I think what their transfer policy would normally be is that someone who's proven in the Bundesliga, who can score goals in the Bundesliga, they try to get from there. So yeah, there's no yeah. doubt that they've got to try and change their whole policy here going forward. Yeah, I'm so happy you're saying that in terms of transfer policies. Look at the German Bundesliga this year. There's no real proven goal scorer. And Kuku and Kolomowani, those are probably your, your tried and true tested. Yes, Fulkug, he's injured right now. But 
if you're having a policy where you're going Bundesliga through and through and it's not happening in your league, you have to go elsewhere in Europe. And some of the biggest strikers in the world are outside of Germany. And you got to pay to play if you want to compete on multiple facets if you're Bayern Munich. And when we go back to Thomas Tuchel, that question hovering of, you know, Bayern they haven't performed. So much blame could be easily directed at him. And I'm so happy that you mentioned that Tuchel walked into a burning house on fire before he even took the job. <laughs> I think this Thomas Tuchel, the biggest problem with him, these aren't his players. It's so difficult, so different when he was at Chelsea. He was able to bring in the likes of Thiago Silva, able to have a couple people that he could turn to, he could rely on, have that experience with. I could see a potential fire sale happening at Bayern Munich. We've already talked about Saidu Mani getting out. There's disgruntled players that you need to get rid of to rebuild a better team. Mike, can I just say something real quickly? And JJ, please follow up here. I know we're discussing a lot in the Bundesliga, and I'm very happy we're doing so, and producer Des is fed up in my voice. But at the same time, <laughs> Do you not think it was a bit of a stupid mistake in letting Nagelsmann just leave oh at that gosh. time? JJ, what yes. do you think about that? That's, that's, oh. that's weird, no? I mean, I think in terms of what was happening on the pitch, the timing was weird. I mean, we discussed this, but also I mean, you know, we've had you with your, your ear to the ground for months telling us that there's something not quite right at Bayern. I kind of, you know, saw saw what you were getting at with the the issues with Neuer after his injury and some of the the uproar uh, between the staff behind the scenes. So yeah, I mean, I do think in many ways that it was perhaps against what Bayern would have normally done to sort of let Nagelsmann see out the season and then potentially bring Tuchel in. But also, let's not forget, you know, Tuchel was in high demand. There were a number of clubs, uh, you know, opening up positions they wanted him in. Uh, and basically, Bayern had to act yes. then. And, and they knew that they weren't going to continue with Nagelsmann beyond the end of the season. So, you know, I think Bayern also have to look at it and say, look, you know, our, our choice, we, we wanted Thomas Tuchel as our number one candidate. The price to pay for him, the true price to pay for him, was winning no trophies this season. And they have to face up to that. They have to embrace it and you know they have to move forward uh you know knowing that they you know paid a high price uh, in order to to be able to bring Tuchel in because you could argue that okay Champions League success would have been unlikely under Nagelsmann but they may well have ended up Bundesliga champions and possibly Pokal winners too last one here Mike Thomas Tuchel would he have preferred to have gone to Tottenham if you considered where he's at right now with Bayern. Oh, man. No. Because it's... it's. Are you sure? You see no. what's going on? Oh, my gosh. It's, you're damned if you do on... It's a catch-22. You're damned if you do on, on one side. You're absolutely damned if you don't on the other. But, man, Spurs are just so damn Spursy. <laughs> At least with what's, Bayern. What's the rock and the hard place in that? Like, in that, in that choice? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, <laughs> there's there's a cold place in hell for the person who has to decide between those two clubs and those two options. But I still think it'll turn. Oh, out it could could be Harry Kane this summer. <laughs> well, geez, <laughs> he could have Harry Kane without dealing with the absolute shithousery that's happening at Tottenham. Look for Bayern. At least he's dealing with a club that is <laughs> FC Hollywood that that aren't going to win the Bundesliga. I still think Dortmund win it, but they have Champions League. For Tottenham, you're dealing with a whole bag of crap. You're not most likely not going to get Europe. Your best striker may leave. 
I mean, that is, oof, man, stay away from that. Germany, Germany are about to disown Thomas Tuchel because of the, <laughs> the mess up he's made at Bayern Munich. Let's not forget that one here. Vic jumping in his in Bayern Munich ruined their season in the executive room, just like Juventus did, which is a great comment right there. A uh, couple of quick ones before we get out of here. Let's t- turn our attention to France. Watch PSG last week, uh, JJ. I thought they were very good. Uh, Mbappe's goal. Oh my God. I text you straight away. I was like, oh my God, did you see that finish? That was absolutely class. Um, it was a close game, though. They played very well in that game, especially in the second half. And PSG maybe a bit lucky to hold on to the three points. They only need a point. Now you expect them to get the job done this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say when you said that PSG played well, I was gonna, I was going to ask sort of for how long because it's felt like they were great for the first ten minutes and then you know decided to take their foot off the gas. I mean, you can't argue with Mbappe when he's in that kind of form. Brilliant first uh, goal, uh, you know, very nice second as well. Uh, you know, brilliant move with the the dummy from uh, Ekitike. It feels impossible that PSG would throw this away now. I mean, like you said, they need a point from their remaining two games to see it out, uh, and even for Lens to be able to to overhaul them, it would take an enormous goal swing as well. So basically, it's not going to happen. It's just a question of whether PSG do it in Strasbourg or whether they do it at home to Clermont. I can't see them messing it up. But in any case, it doesn't take away from what Lance have achieved this season. I think that they will see out second place, much to, to the disappointment of, of Mike Lahoud with OM coming up in third and basically having to get involved in the Champions League qualifying rounds in sort of mid-July or whenever it is. It's uh, going to be a long road for them to the group stage. But uh, I think it's probably for the better, uh, you know, for, for Marseille and their potential season ahead that they get competitive games as quickly as possible but for me I, you know i think that psg will probably kill the drama quite early in this one yeah i agree with you jj and quick question for me regarding the team that most likely will get second place lance what does them having a successful campaign mean for a league like league because i've been very impressed saw them in person they beat my newfound club om and uh, you know just some of the players that have really stood out to you jj well, they could have been your newfound club as well. I did try pointing you in the right direction. I was, you know, I was reading from the gospel and you you decided to ignore me I and know. go for the eternal punishment that is being a Marseille fan. No, I think Lance <laughs> have been a fantastic story. I mean, you guys have heard me, you know, yammering on for hours and hours about how they've been a great story in Ligue 1 this season. I think it's fantastic. And just you wait, uh, you know, anybody tuning in who hasn't really paid attention to, to Lance this season for when the fans finally uh, you know, hit our uh, hit our airwaves on uh, on Paramount Plus because the, it will be one of the grounds to be at next season in Europe. Uh, but I think you know you can't look further than the likes of Seko Fofana, Lois Appenda, who's having a phenomenal finish to the season uh, as two real key figures in this. But I think the person who deserves the most praise of all at Lens because he's overseen not just this fantastic season but this rise up. Uh, you know, from just the moment when they secured their return from Ligue 2, and that's Franck is you know the the phenomenal job that he's done. I mean, we talk about some of the, the great tacticians uh, in Europe sort of punching above their weight at this moment in time. And in my opinion, Franquez is right up there sort of in the same bracket as Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, and when some of those big, uh, you know, jobs become available in the future, I think once he's got a bit of Champions League experience under his belt next season, there's going to be a lot of big clubs sniffing around. Uh, Balogun, real quickly, just your thoughts on him uh, committing to the US national team? I think it's great for for the US. Uh, you know, I think they need somebody like him, a predatory striker, somebody who's, who knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. I don't think that will solve USMNT's problems no, in one go, but no, I do think that it's a big step towards the, We're winning the, the right World direction. Cup, right? 2026, right? You can top <laughs> off now. No, 2026. We're gonna... 
We're going to win the Euros first, Ian, then the World Cup. <laughs> you know what? I'm, you're I'm you're really thinking curious. of Chicago Fire. <laughs> you know what? I'm thinking, uh, I'm curious now to see who the USMNT get as their head coach. I mean, I know there's been a lot of speculation recently that Jesse Marsh could be a done deal as, uh, as early as the end of July. Well, I guess we'll see what happens there. But I think Balogun as part of this new look USMNT, because if I'm not mistaken, you've got uh, one of the, Til- the other Tillman brother as well, who's committed now to playing for yep. the USMNT. Yep. So two big boosts. Uh, but I think that, you know, Balogun, you know, certainly based on sort of the exchanges we've had on here over the months and years, USMNT have really needed that sort of predatory goal scorer. And that's exactly what Balogun looks like. Now, the one thing that I would temper that with is I think it would be in his interest to stay in France for next season, go to a bigger club playing in Europe, perhaps in Marseille, because Marseille. You know, we've heard we've heard him speaking positively about Stade Velodrome in the past, because I think that will complete the sort of experience he needs to really be sort of uh, you know a lock as that starting recognized goal scoring presence. Uh, we got a shout out for <clears throat> NRC from Vic. He's saying uh, <laughs> shout out to our NRC stay focused coach uh, and also doing the hug emoji there. So shout out to her and love to Nigel Rio Coker, who's obviously <laughs> going through his coaching badges. Uh, let's turn our attention real quickly before we do get the hell out of here, because this is pushing a 50 minute show once again, as I'm in charge. Uh, obviously, it tends to be the case. Uh, we do have the uh, championship uh, playoff coming up here it is the richest game in football, Michael Hood. We do have Coventry mm. City against Luton Town. We have an American in goal for Luton town ethan horfath uh where are you swinging on this one here uh, i'm going luton town first appearance in a championship playoff final in the afl so um they're venturing into new territory always got to go with the american and yeah i mean Shock. very biased <laughs> You know what? I'm going to play party pooper. I'm going to go for Coventry. And that's nothing to do with the fact that I come from sort of nearby Birmingham and the, the outskirts. Uh, it's to do with the fact that when I was growing up, Coventry were a Premier League team. Uh, I remember actually they Villa sent them down the, their final day in the in, in the Premier League. So, you know, I, I think seeing Coventry come back, especially not just coming back to the Premier League, but coming back from the brink, because you look at how far down Coventry fell, the stadium issues that they've gone through. I think it would be a phenomenal story. And I think Mark Robbins has done a really, really underrated job. And we'll be hearing a lot more about him should Coventry get to the Premier League. That said, nothing against Luton. I covered them uh, and Watford quite closely in my university days. Would be a fantastic story as well to have them in the Premier League. So I don't think we can lose either way. Yep, great comment right there. Um, I remember watching Kobe Jones play for Coventry City in the uh, Premier League. It tells you how old. Mustafa Hadji, Hassan Kashlul. <laughs> Played against uh, Mustafa Hadji, believe it or not, while he was at Coventry City. And guess who was yeah. the manager of Coventry at the time? Gordon Strachan. I walked past Ooh. him as a 16-year-old boy Ooh. and I thought, my God, I was starstruck. It was Gordon Strachan was right there. Major League was... Soccer legend Darren Huckabee as well was a Coventry boy. Yeah, what, what, he was. was yeah, he played in that game too. Wasn't Gordon Strachan also uh, the manager that got them relegated? Maybe. I don't know. He's had a few relegated in his time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's a quick statistic for everybody out there. Uh, Luton have got the better of Coventry of late, unbeaten in the last nine championship matches, winning four of them, drawing five of them. So good luck. May the best team win. Richest game in football. I think it would be a great story, regardless of which way. I'm I'm just leaning a little bit towards Luton. I've watched them a few times this year, and they have been fabulous to watch. Even though... 
stadium has no chance of getting approved for the Premier League. They're going to have to do a lot of renovations to make that work. It would be a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, great stuff, boys. Uh, 50 minute show once again in the books. You know, that's how we do it around here. Uh, House yep. of Champions. Sorry, everybody, for ruining your morning. Shout out to Fabrizio Romano for joining you're, you're us. You're welcome, Des. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to producer Des, who has now changed his whole morning schedule because of this show once again. Uh, we'll be back again once uh, we get back next week. Not sure what our schedule is yet. Producer Des still working on that one, but watch out for schedule listens on social media. If you're listening to House of Champions, take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We are also available as video as well. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Boys, have a great weekend. Mike, I know you're dancing this weekend somewhere in Texas. Have a lot of fun. <laughs> JJ, celebrate the uh, championship win for PSG. And uh, I will be watching uh, Villa, Villa Brighton on Sunday. Could be a big, big weekend. That's a great game, by the way. Everybody, thanks so much for listening and uh, watching. Make sure you tune in next week. See you later.